0: I'm going to add segments of the books that I've written, uh, Prisms of Wealth, and my last year teaching, so I can have a, a sort of alternative to audiobooks, where I want people to have audience to the books, but also have an opportunity to get parts of the book, and possibly all of it, and get excited and motivated and become consumers of the information that I I write or become a collaborator with me for the information that I produce. Uh, All the books, both of them, Prisons of Wealth and uh, my last year teaching are in English and Spanish so each recording for one will, whenever I do a recording for one, one will be in English and one will be in Spanish because I look to diversify uh, the listenership and I want to be able to have a conversation with different types of people. The first book we're going to start is my last year teaching. The introduction. This is it. This was my last real year of teaching. I'll be in the classroom again, but this year was the year I knew it was over for me. Oh yeah, who am I? My name is Simon. Simon says, I know, I know. My name makes it cool in class many days because I have fun with it. And say, Simon says, but back to the introduction. I'll keep it short. I was a history teacher in a kind of small town outside of a kind of big city. I am a big sports fan. I was married at the time. I like to travel and I think a lot. Man, that sounds like a dating profile. (laughs) By the way, my favorite color is green. All that is missing is a picture, right? I digress. So, why am I telling you this story? Because, while it was the ending of something, actually some things, it was a cool year and I think you'll enjoy the story. I'm going to deliver it to you with the end in mind. I leave. The chapters will be in chronological order of the public school calendar, the outdated agrarian one with a few flashbacks and a few flash-forwards. So you know, the public school calendar I'm referring to goes from August to June. We all know teachers don't do anything or have a life during July, just a free month of pay. (laughs) Please note, there will be moments of lighthearted sarcasm with no intent to offend. An example is the line before this last sentence. August is when school starts, and there are teacher work days. September is when teachers start to see the true personality of the students come out, aka time for new seating charts. October is the first report card, and when the lines in the sand with parents begin to be drawn. November is the start of the holiday season, and when teachers start to get antsy about mid-year reviews and classroom observations. December is an interesting month as it's only a half a month and a bunch of those days are parties or at least the atmosphere is more relaxed. January is such a bonkers month because there's a hangover from the holidays and it's midterms and the semester changes. Did I mention this month really is bonkers? February is weird because it's a new semester. Sometimes you get new students Sometimes you get the same ones who just had an awakening with their families, but largely most things have a bit of a new feel. March is the most dragging, drawn-out month in all the months of the school year. Spring break is around the corner, and it teases you with the happiness it's supposed to bring. Yet, daily, you are met with some mind-boggling student or staff behavior manifestation. April, lots of rain. Literally and figuratively, it is usually spring break, which at this point in the year is long, long overdue. It often feels like it's a year late. (laughs) May, May is dance or spring social event time. I need to have class outside time. The weather is almost perfect. The ambitious chaps who are basically done and have mentally moved on to the next school year while savoring the moments of this one. The struggling chaps in full contingency plan mode, they're on plan C or D to save their academic year. June. If there was ever a sad month in school, it's June. The reflections, the final exams, the thoughts of moving on, the growth for both you and the students, the final observations, the finalization of your plans to avoid eating ramen noodles all summer, the plans to prevent you from going stir-crazy without the normalcy of students, it's an all-around soap opera month. This is the framework of the story for the final year of teaching for me. Try to remember the brief descriptions of these these months as they unfold and coincide with the personal life events of the story. It's kind of like a study guide or a syllabus. We'll talk again at the end. Enjoy. Chapter 1, Summer Setup. Students will be able to, to, you hope or pray, they're able to do something, anything academic when they come back to school. I know what I'm able to do. I'm going into my fifth year of teaching. I can do the basics on cruise control. I'm unsure that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it does keep my stress low. This August was different for me. Every summer out of school since I started teaching, I managed a literacy camp for at-risk youth. It was fun. I got to meet new people and create new relationships from across the country. If you know me, That means potential road trips. I love traveling. This summer I didn't do that camp because I decided to look for a new teaching job in a different state. I figured I could make more money teaching somewhere else. Go figure. (laughs) Making money teaching. I did the research for salaries and cost of living in other places. I was set. Mentally and spiritually. I was gone to that new place in my head. I already imagined myself doing Big city things. I put the house up for sale. I knew it would all work out. My wife at the time was all about moving too. Her name was Gloria. G for short. Yeah, I left that out earlier. I made a promise to her that we would live in a big city and live a life of low-key glittering glamour. You can see I am a dreamer. The glittering glamour of being a teacher. We sell dreams. When I shoot, I shoot for the stars. The biggest star. The sun, as a matter of fact. I was personally in the red financially all summer because I focused my energy and money on traveling to interviews. My wife was very understanding. I was determined to make this move. I even had a few potential job offers. But the circumstances around those offers sucked on a level that I was unaware suckiness could occur. Regardless, I'm back at the same school, Everest Oak Public School. There's a new principal. This is my first time with the new school principal. I've had several new assistant principals during my time here in this school, and they have all been pretty cool people. I felt like this would be similar. The only thing I knew about the new principal was they were a newly promoted assistant principal from another school I'm guessing they'll be cool too. Honestly, I had no idea what the ascension to full principle entailed. Maybe a student suspension contest or the most survived parent conferences without being cursed out. But I felt confident there was some political garbage in the mix at some point in the selection process. Either way, politics is life, right? They had to play and participate in a game that may have affected their personality, hopefully in a positive way. Fingers crossed. Good vibes. Good fortune. I talked to the school secretary, Ms. Doris, to collect my keys, and she told me that I was in the same room. Oh, yeah. I had watched every year as teachers got moved to new classrooms. This was a gold star start to the school year. This statement means a lot coming for me because I despise stickers and such normalized cutesy teachery things. Here's a background on teachers moving. When a teacher has to move to a new classroom, they must sort out all the junk they left uh, behind by the previous teacher. Maybe paint the room, sort out desks, drawers, and chairs. You know, the sorts of things that makes a teacher feel like the room is theirs. I mean, if a teacher is uncomfortable in their workspace, that'll be a moody teacher. Sidebar. The ultimate moody teachers are the floating teachers with carts and the teacher whose room they float into. I didn't get a floater either. Oh, yeah. One more sidebar about the floating thing. One of the reasons the stationary teacher doesn't normally enjoy having a floating teacher is because they don't really have a place of peace during their planning period. With all of the meetings and other things teachers get pulled into, having your own room or place to go, shut the door, turn the lights out, and do whatever you want in peace, there may not be a more cherished place for a teacher. Okay, okay, okay. Back to it. I got my keys and I had the same room. I told Miss Doris she was my favorite. She was. I knew she made that happen for me. The school front office staff can make your life In school, an amazing place. I left the front office and I started to walk down to my room. With a little bit of bounce in my step, of course, being back in my old digs gave me a bit of energy, even though I still did have one foot out of the door. Mentally, hmm, definitely. Hell, one foot out of the state. As I walked, I looked around at nameplates on doors to see who the new teachers were. And where some of the old teachers may have moved. I would have known who the new teachers were, at least their names, if I read my email. But I didn't read any school emails during the summer. You already know why. Back to checking the names. Miss M in the same room. Mr. Randy in the same room. Oh, Miss Casey. Who's this? Yeah, I know. I said I was married. I'm not blind, though. Laugh with me here. Laugh. I mean, a man is always open to having a new work wife. Okay, listen. A friend told me that term, and I'm just using it. And one more door, Mr. Rick. What? Rick is next to me this year? Oh, yeah. Rick is my friend. He's been at the school for a while. He's far from old, though. He actually went to the school. This guy was the after work beer and social event king of the school. He also was the yearbook editor. So events were his thing. He probably took that job because he was a newspaper reporter before teaching. He also coached sports, softball, and boys track and field. You may have noticed i passed every other classroom, but I walked into this one. Rick had his daughter with him. They were painting the room. As he was new to the room, Ah, uh, beautiful Yankees blue and white. You can see he's a Yankees fan just as I am. We chatted for a bit, and then I went into my room. Ah, everything was the way I left it. No, wait, there were additions? A newly waxed floor and a newly mounted projector and smart board. Honestly, I didn't like having the smart board mounted, but the projector was cool. I preferred being able to periodically change the direction of the projector when I changed the design of the room, and now I was unable to. But, oh well. Wait a minute. Was that an extra computer too? Oh my. This room is better than how I left it. For the visual of the environment, Rick and I had neighboring rooms connected by an office space in between our rooms. In previous years, I had passed on using it and my former neighbor used it sparingly as well. Rick and I decided to use the room f- as a quiet workspace for students who may have special consequences. You know, like makeup testing, separate room testing, student testing, my patients testing, etc. So back in the room. I set up the computers, calibrated the smartboard, and hit the YouTube for some music because... It was time to vibe and get this work started. I turned off all the lights because I do my best work in the dark. I closed the door so people didn't think anyone was in the room. Hence, no unexpected visitors. I searched YouTube for the Kanye West graduation album. One of my favorites. Let's start the album from the beginning. Good morning. I was working. I created four seating charts, one for each semester. They all had different shapes, one for a Socratic seminar, one for groups, another for pairings, and the final one was for testing, a.k.a. boring straight line rows. I moved my desk in every iteration of the seating chart. It was a bit of a challenge this time because of the mounted projector, but I've yet to come across a challenge made by man that I can't overcome. I set up the seats for the first seating chart as I printed my roster and began placing students in seats. My first seats were usually in alphabetical order and that usually helped me remember names. Sidebar. I sucked at remembering names. I usually begin with remembering names in October. Yeah, I said October. Hey, as long as the grades are correct, that's all that matters. Speaking of grades. I set up my digital gradebook with corresponding assignments for the entire quarter. I created the students' outline user accounts for their digital textbook where they would take quizzes and tests. I was vibing. It's about lunchtime now. The new principal came on the intercom to do an auditory introduction. I wasn't really listening. And to remind the teachers that they have professional development courses to attend after lunch at different schools. I guess I should stop working now. I have a habit of continuing to work whenever I get in the groove of working because I feel so productive. Rick came through the adjoining office door and asked if I want to go to Okashi. That was enough to make me stop. Okashi was some damn good Japanese cuisine. So we walked out of my classroom and started down the hallway. I asked how his room renovation was progressing. It's good to have kids, he said with a smirk. His daughter was into painting so she was more than glad to do that work. Most teachers painted their room the color it already was, just to have a new coat of paint. Rick went above and beyond as he brought his own paint. He offered to drive to lunch, as he recently bought a new convertible car and wanted to stretch its legs. Normally, he would have invited others to join, but the school was a ghost town at this point. I mean, this is America, People don't miss meals if they can't help it. Plus, some teachers have a tendency to be worriers, so others wanted to make sure they would be on time to their professional development sessions, so they left on time. We go outside and see Mr. Cowboys cutting the grass. No, his name isn't Mr. Cowboys, but he loves the Dallas Cowboys, and that's usually what we talk about whenever we talk. We asked him if he wanted to go to lunch, and he says, No, but thanks, boys. I just finished eating. Did you see the Cowboys will be playing tomorrow night? I think this is our year. The new running back we got this year is what we needed. Uh, cool. Cool. Thanks, Mr. Cowboys. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> he was a really cool guy, but he would have had us standing there until 10 p.m. talking about the Cowboys. So we got in the car. A cherry red convertible with newly washed paint and shined wheels. The top was already down because that's how we came to school. And the school was in a fairly nice area and no one actually comes by the school so it was safe. We got in the car and some 80s music was queued up as Rick is a lover of 80s music. I had no idea what this song's name or title was but it was something from a movie I had seen so I could vibe to it. Okashi was really close, so we really only listened to maybe two minutes of the song and we got out of the car. What's the softball team look like this year, I asked. This is his first year coaching softball at this school, because the last coach left. He was a championship winning coach at his previous school, so I knew he had plans for success. The only thing I knew about the team was that his daughter was on the team. I think we look good. I don't know. What the rest of the conference looks like, but we have what's most important, he responded. What's that, I asked. A pitcher, he responded. He knows way more than me in terms of softball talent evaluation, so I trusted what he said. The year before, the pitcher was marginal, and the team got shelled by almost every team, and their record showed that. How's coaching at the Tech, he asked. It's pretty cool so far. I have loads of new soccer gear, and I have learned lots from the few weeks I've been there, I responded. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. I was the head soccer coach at the school. The season started in October, but I recently had gotten the position of varsity assistant and co-head coach for the reserve team at Tech College nearby. I've been coaching sports for five or six years now and I have a personal ambition to coach sports at every level possible. I've done recreational, club, school, and now I'm in college. All that's left is the pros. Oh yeah, the life of an ambitious dreamer and actualizer. Back to Okashi. Hey Rick, did you ask to move up to the next grade to teach? And who is this Casey? I asked. No. The new principal moved me. They thought it would help improve the student scores if I stayed with the group I had last year since their scores improved with me and Casey is the new hot math teacher and volleyball coach, he responded. Amen, I responded. We're men. We talk about women. It was an observation and a woman can be classed as hot in a respectful manner. This is only included one time because I'm a man sharing a period of time. And I thought my wife was hot as well. I think I mentioned before I wasn't blind either. Back to it. We chatted some more and then we left so we could go to the professional development seminars. I arrived at my professional development location and saw lots of people I knew. Even though I planned on leaving, it was nice to see familiar faces. It made returning a warm, nostalgic event. Many of the history teachers there were coaches of various sports, so I was also familiar with them on the playing field as well. Cool. My boy John was there. We started teaching in the district at the same time, and he was a part of the same orientation group as me. He asked me how the football team at my school was looking. I told him I didn't know because I wasn't coaching football this year. I was coaching soccer at Tech. He was a football and wrestling coach at a different school, so we usually chatted about projections of the seasons and any new standout players that may have transferred into the district. He told me that they had a beast new running back that may be a problem for teams in the district. He also told me my school had a new football coach. That shocked me because the previous coach was my friend, and I knew he was still working at the school, but I didn't know he wasn't the head football coach anymore. He was the athletic director as well, or at least he was. I guess I had some questions to ask when I saw him. So the professional development session started. The facilitator was a familiar face and welcomed us all back for a new school year. We have some new stuff for you this year. Some of it good, some of it you may need to adjust to, said the facilitator. We all have a new pacing guide and a new testing service we're going to use to create our district quarterly assessments. They continued. All of the content is the same, but we're moving around when we want you to present it. We are creating a committee that meets quarterly to review the test bank before the tests are released, and we are accepting no more than one volunteer from every school. But there's no requirement for every school to participate on the committee. Okay. I think teachers are a bit tribal, so I observed that the vast majority of the people in the room were sitting clustered with people from their own school. There was a murmuring and a few huffs here and there about the information just shared. Teachers tend to be creatures of habit. A change in the pacing guide literally would cause teachers to have to go home and scrap their whole year. Honestly, lots of teachers coasted on previous years, materials, and presentations regardless of the student results. On one hand, I could empathize and sympathize because I have used materials that work for me over a number of school years, so it can be disappointing and frustrating. In the same breath, I can say that I created new things yearly based on the students and how they have showed me they learned best, so I function with a balance. Back to the meeting. The facilitator asked if anyone would like to volunteer today to join the committee. I raised my hand immediately because I wanted to make sure I knew what's on the tests and how they'll be formatted. I mean, what teacher wouldn't want to be able to help their students perform well on a test? They took my name down for the committee, and they continued with the updates. The meeting ended probably an hour after that. After an hour drive to my home, I walked in the door and she greeted me. Hi, honey. She hugged me and said she had dinner ready for me. She told me she left it in the microwave. Then she returned to watching whatever it was she watched on Netflix or HBO or whatever it was she was watching. I warmed the food and took the plate to sit in the living room on the couch opposite her. It's August, and she was wrapped in a Snuggie in the house with the AC on. Weird British girl she was. She looked at me and said, Wow. Wow. It was an inside joke because I hardly ever ate food right away when she made it. Shut up, bruh, I responded with a laugh. So, how was your day, honey, she asked. Mad stuff to do. I'm hyped, but mad stuff to do, I responded. So, you're off to the dungeon, huh, she quipped. We had a split-level house, and I usually did work in the basement or the dungeon portion of the house. Yeah, I've got a few ideas flowing, so I may be up all night working, I responded. Well, give me a hug now, she said in a sweet, doe-like voice. I went to give her a hug and a kiss, and I went to the dungeon. You may have noticed that I didn't greet her with a hug or a kiss or any specific affection. She greeted me physically. I just had words. I mean, you see I've called her bruh on several occasions. Being honest, I was awful at affection. Either I'm too rough or too cold, but she loved me. She was legitimately my best friend. I felt lucky because she helped me achieve significant things in life because she was a steady part of my life. I also felt lucky because I treated her like shit last month when we had an argument and she hadn't cut my throat or smothered me with the pillow while I was sleeping. It's around 11 p.m. and she peeked her head downstairs to say, Good night, honey. I looked up and said, good night, bruh. As she walked to the step, her cat followed her and then walked down the stairs and proceeded to lay on top of the papers I was reading. Mrs. Ginge loves you and wants to help, she laughed. I can't stand your cat, bruh, I replied with a sneer. She left and I pulled the paper from under the cat, who then looked at me with an attitude and then sat on my bag. Over the next few days, I made new lessons, adjusted old lessons, created new student projects, and made a few tests from the requirements of the syllabus. Well, me, my baggy gray sweatpants, hoodie, and beanie hat did the work. That was my homework attire. I was damn near ready for school. I loved the work, the creativity, the imagining of finished projects. I truly enjoyed the process of teaching. End of chapter one. Prisms of Wealth. The Spectrum we can see. Introduction. Dictionaries define wealth as a noun that is 1. An abundance of valuable possessions or money. 2. A plentiful supply of particularly desirable things. and 3. Well-being. Over time, I have viewed dictionary definitions to be interesting. More so now that I understand that some unknown person or company observes behavior in society and then creates or adopts a phrase to describe the behavior. The significance of the word or phrase, generally, is universally accepted. In this life experience so far, I would describe it in two parts. Part one, I was raised as an only child. And part two, I have had the opportunity to travel. The first bit About me says, I may have started life more egocentric than others. And the second bit says, my bias has been reshaped over time based on experiences of diversity and culture and people in different places. At this moment, I believe I am in a great place physically, spiritually, and mentally. In a day of reflection, something I do as a regular practice now, I asked myself the following questions. One, how can a person appear successful and yet feel unaccomplished according to their own standard? Two, how can a teacher, while striving to learn, it. Fucking bullshit. One, how can a person appear successful and yet feel unaccomplished according to their own standard? Number two, how can a person be a teacher while striving to learn in the teaching process? I think both questions are worthy of being asked to every person because, one, the projection of success and actually feeling successful can be very different feelings. The fake it until you make it mantra is far from a one-size-fit-all mindset. Number two, at some point in our lives, we all will wear a teacher hat, in most cases, primarily, we have to refer to the trial and error of on-the-job training. Ask any first-time parent, a couple who just became a couple, or a baby taking their first steps. Please understand the jest in that last one. Now, going back to the two questions, I scribbled and scribbled all kinds of words and ideas on paper and was largely dissatisfied. I felt a personal connection to both questions, but lacked answers. I graduated from college, I bought a house and a new car, and I had been married to a wonderful woman, and I was good at the jobs I had, and I even achieved a life goal sooner than expected. And with relatively little effort, still, I felt largely accomplished overall. I had no need for tangible trophies, I had friends and family that cared about me. And I was in a great mental and spiritual state. So I decided to challenge what I knew and check out other religious ideologies, spiritual philosophies, and even self-help gurus. I found all to be intriguing and understood why people would support each one. But I largely felt that my internal compass wanted me to connect to myself in a more significant way. One day I watched... An audio video on YouTube called The Next 32 Minutes Will Change Your Life Forever. Not religious. This is the way the title was written if you seek to find the video. I ignored the spelling and grammar of the title because the message was more important to me. A significant moment was when the video instructed me to write down goals. So I did. I normally passed on such things because they felt like empty activities. My spirit felt good, my mind enriched, and I already had direction. Then I thought, "What harm can it do? Iron sharpens iron, and practice makes perfect, right? As I started writing, I realized my goal was then and is now wealth, but I felt it meant wealth as an adjective of other goals in life, you know a word that describes a noun, kind of an adjective. Uh, I only describe it in that way because I have only recently become a fan of grammar because I am learning another language. It's a little joke about myself as I try to practice acknowledging grammar and parts of speech as often as I can to give myself a pat on the back for my growth. So, I'm sharing my thoughts, growth, and path with you because... I know I have gained a great deal of wisdom, and it is my desire to share my current perspective of wealth. I am one of the wealthiest people you will ever encounter in life, and I believe this because I have learned that wealth exists on a spectrum, kind of like the color spectrum. I use the analogy because I have always been fascinated by science and experimentation One of the most intriguing memories I have related to this was in the 8th grade science class when the teacher gave us glass prisms. We shined the white light through one side, and on the other side came out Roy G. Biv. There were different shaped prisms, and they mostly produced the same results with slightly different perspectives. It, It was a cool thing to see then, but today, it is what constantly reminds me there are levels to everything, and being aware of perspective is one of the most significant traits of wisdom. My initial perception of wealth was that the first listed dictionary definition, abundance of a valuable possession or money, it's neither positive nor negative to attribute my initial perception of wealth. I would attribute a part of that perception because I'm an American, in my opinion, there is a general belief that the USA is a land of opportunity and in many ways, opportunity translated to chances that acquiring possessions or monetary wealth. As I have lived more life, I have taken my initial understanding of wealth and thorough life experiences I have been able to see and the value the other levels that make up the spectrum of wealth. I tried to list the process again. As it got me to this revelation, I wrote what was in the spectrum as they came to mind. Monetary, spiritual, physical, intellectual, relationship, and social wealth. I looked at the list and I felt it could make an acronym. People tend to make acronyms and I am people. But I let it be and I left it. Two days later, I went back to look at the list. I seldom look back at my scribbles so close to the time that I initially write them. I feel like leaving them as preserves of purity of thoughts in the moment. For some reason, this time, I wanted to look back. The acronym thing was at the front of my mind. I scribbled M-S-P-I-R-S. My mind said, yeah, inspires. I laughed. Myself, because that clearly was not on the page. I wrote I-M-S-P-R-S. I really wanted it to say inspires. I shifted leathers. S-P-R-I-M-S. Still nothing. I stare and then I see P-R-I-S-M-S. The metaphorical light bulb goes off over my head. I had a flashback of science class in 8th grade. The science class thing was the inspiration. So so it had to fit. I think, okay, it's a start. Prisms, wealth. Yeah, that is my goal in life. Now, I'm thinking I really want to write about this. Does it have a message though? Is there a sequence? A friend of mine... Charlie regularly told me that I should write a book because we all have at least one story to share. An idea which I absolutely believe, so I stare at P-R-I-S-M-S and decide to write each word vertically under each letter in the acronym. Physical, Relationship, Intellectual, Spiritual, Monetary, and Social. At that moment, I thought to myself, I am mind blown. I saw a sequence I could write about. I am a believer that inspiration comes when we are in the mode to receive it and let it out. At that moment, the weather was beautiful. I was relaxed in my blue Orange County varsity t-shirt, cargo shorts, inside out gray ankle socks, and no frill black slides. I was sitting in front of the picturesque Armenian mountain backdrop at one of my favorite food places, chapas, eating a chocolo cheese arepa made by one of the warmest female Colombian smiles. I was floating in my vortex, receiving good vibes. Needless to say, I was inspired, and words in sequence flowed onto the paper. Every time I looked up from my pad, I literally saw... That smile coupled with doe eyes, soul-stirring background music, quiet mountains, and still air. When I completed the framework for the last word in the acronym, I felt like magic was on my page. And I had a story to share that was worthy of the collection of written stories of human life. This was my public conversation of private thoughts that I have yearned to dialogue with other minds willing to challenge me in a fruitful way. So please, read this. Have a conversation with me. Challenge me in a fruitful and positive way. Add to the collection of human stories. End of the introduction.